This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and hello to you. And how is your plant world doing? If you'd like to talk about it, simply call 314 314- or 36-7900, or 1-800-925-1120. Drew's here. He's producing, pushing buttons, and answering the phone. When you call, all he needs is your first name. He'll put it on the computer screen, and then I will talk to you. And Saturday morning always starts off with a good gardening stroll. Then afterwards, we can discuss what is impacting your trees, your perennials. What about that hillside? Should you, how are your shrubs doing? Like those broadleaf evergreens, you know, the Euonymus, Manhattan, Manhattan Euonymus, those hedges. There's one in our neighborhood that really got damaged visually, at least aesthetically, by that cold spell in the early or in the fall. And uh, man, it has recovered. It really looks good. It looks nice. It's got uh, plenty of nice green foliage and still more buds to come out. So. Shows you what happens. They did some pruning, got rid of the, all that stuff. And uh, how about the routine care and maintenance? And what's going on with your house plants? My house plants are going to get moved out today after the show. When I get home after my trip up to Troy, Illinois, then I'm going to carry those things. Tracy said, you got to stop doing this. You're getting too old to be carrying them. A couple of them are pretty heavy. But, you know, who knows? I'll share my knowledge and help you make a good decision. But the action you take should be considered your best choice. And remember, this is your show, and I appreciate you hearing about your plant world from me. Another player, as I said before, is Drew. He's producing. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Besides our Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your home and check out your plant world for an on-site consultation. As I said before, Today, after the show, I'm headed up to Troy, Illinois. I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. No, 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 no. Don't go to that. Yeah, you can go to that. That's fine. And the homepage will have my email address and phone number. Let's go strolling. This is the walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Off Hampton Avenue, there's a couple different streets. There's Columbia there's Southwest, there's Simpson, there's Elizabeth. And up in these rolling hills, which uh, it is really rolling in this part of town, uh, there's a park, and the park is called Clifton Heights. And wow, 
it is the hills are really steep and cool, and this park is in perfectly planted in a great location. And uh, as you get to the uh, entrance to the park at the top of the hill, uh, the daffodils that were planted, they've finished blooming. So they say, okay, that's fine. Had a couple, probably almost a month of good yellow flowers off those. They're still a little bit, but not much more. As you head down the hill, there's the lake at the bottom, and there's a duck patrol there. And all around, there is some great views of just different sites and there's a like a structure that you can go out and just kind of overlook the lake at the very bottom. It has a wrought iron fence and then steps right down to the water's edge. There's white flowering trees in full bloom. The maples are in flower too, but you go, are those flowers? They don't really look like flowers. And the river birch, well, they're still asleep. A sign reads, please don't feed the geese. Magnolia's blooming. Red buds are blooming all right. And really striking colors and uh, upright junipers showing their stuff as well as white pines for the evergreen qualities. The surrounding homes have really unique architectural styles with the overview of all these steep walkways. The walkways have benches, a couple picnic tables and everything else. Then across the street, there's a playground sits and waits for kids. Purple henbit is really strikingly beautiful right now as far as color goes. Now, it is considered a weed, but in a park situation, mm, very, very nice. The sun was rising, and it was pushing the full moon to sleep back to bed. And uh, this is Saturday between Good Friday, yesterday, and Easter tomorrow. And happy Easter to all of you. And the birds and squirrels and everything else were saying hooray and happy Easter to you as well. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Phone lines are open, so give us a call. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The pansies are spectacular. They're still really, really looking good. And uh, they've probably got another month or so. So if you want to head out to your favorite garden center and pick up some pansies for this uh, earlier spring, then you can certainly get, like I said, about a month's more flowering out of it. Once it starts to get too warm, then they kind of just I, they stop flowering, basically. But I will tell you, if you're going to buy them, you're going to have a much quicker impact if you buy the plants in four or six inch pots versus the uh, six packs or the flats, because a larger tree or larger trees, the larger plants are going to make an instant impact and keep going and going and going. I buy them both, you know, and just to try them, and I have to agree with that. It's basically that's, you know, really true. The ones that I have that I bought for, uh, that were in six-inch pots versus uh, the six-packs, the difference is probably about Flower size, uh, about uh, twice the size on the the ones that came in the bigger pots. And so, anyway, let's head over to Lynn's yard. Hi, Lynn. My favorite radio show. Thank you, Mr. Miller. I've got dandelions and daylilies, dandelions and monkey grass. What kind of herbicide should I use 
or a home rent remedy to try to solve this problem. Thanks a lot. So you have dandelions in your monkey grass? Is that what you're saying? I guess so. <laughs> well, basically, if you don't have a huge amount, you're better off. You can, you know, since your uh, your monkey grass is in the grass family because it has a narrow blade, actually you can use a product called We Be Gone on the dandelion. Just spray it directly onto the dandelion. It won't impact your monkey grass because it's in the grass family. So that would be an, a one way to do it. The other way would just be getting a weeding tool, which is kind of like a, a, you know, a long bladed chisel type thing, and just pop them up out of the ground. Just make sure that uh, you know the ground is kind of damp or moist or whatever if you're going to dig them, so you can make sure you get the entire root system. So that would be what my recommendation would be. Again, three one four. Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. As your pansies, you know, are still needing, uh, if they're still growing and looking good, fertilize them. It certainly will help them, maybe even extend their bloom period. So keep that in mind. Also, now as your daffodils finish flowering, go ahead and cut off the flowers, the spin flowers on the daffodil. But leave the foliage until it is halfway brown before you cut it down. And you can still, even though the flowering may be finished, you can still fertilize them and use about use half-label rate of the fertilizer and kind of stay away from the fertilizers that have the same number tripled. So in other words, triple 12, triple 10, those are basically developed for agricultural products and not for, you know, this this type of thing. So also start k- keeping an eye out for insects and bugs and things like that. As the weather starts warming up, as uh, Scott was saying, in the, with the weather forecast, it's going to get warmer and warmer and warmer. And that means the bugs are going to get more and more and more active. Let's head over to Ellen's yard. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Mike. Got a question for you. We planted, because of some highway issues, we planted two huge sections of bamboo, and they're huge. It goes up to the power lines, and we trim it back. Um, It looks like a forest back there. Suddenly, (laughs) this year, one whole section is dying, just turned all yellow, and the whole stalks on one side are all turning black. I don't know about the other side. Is that the weather, I mean, what is it that suddenly causes a whole wall of bamboo to start dying? Well, it was just exposure due to that cold snap that had a you know adverse impact on several different things, like a lot of the uh, broadleaf evergreen hedges and you know plants like that. And then it, I've had several calls over the last couple months that their bamboo was impacted too. So the above ground growth has been impacted. So any of that you can, if you want to, go ahead and cut that off. But the root systems are probably still okay, and it'll probably be another uh, maybe four or five weeks before you start to see the new uh, uh, roots or the new you know canes coming up from the root system. Well, because we also lost three boxwoods, three small boxwoods suddenly just turned white. Right. Now was again so the that- that's weather too. So that cold snap in the fall really did some you know major impact. And uh, if your boxwood or, you know, I don't know, how long were, have they been in the ground? Oh, they were relatively new. They were probably less than a year. They were small, you know, right. maybe 
12 to 13 inches up off the ground. Yeah, so basically they didn't have a well-established root system, but some of them that even had been in for several years suffered the damage, at least to the foliage. But yours may be killed entirely because they weren't established. Got it. I appreciate your help. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to uh, and see what's going on with Sue. Hi, Sue. How are you? Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I found um, over the last two or three summers, there's been this um, bush coming up in my yard, a volunteer. And I finally figured out between my dad and I that it's pokeweed, which I, from what I've read, I don't want. (laughs) And it's dangerous to have. And I'm wondering how to get rid of it. Uh, Basically, the best thing you can do is go out and just dig it out. Okay, because it's in a really compromised position that I can't really get to the ground where it is because it's coming up over um, a built-in garden. Whoa. Can I cut it back and spray it? Yeah, you could give that a shot. And, you know, hopefully you're not opposed to using Roundup, but as soon as you cut, then spray right on, you know, use the Roundup. I just use a paintbrush and paint it right on to... uh, you know, the open wound, the open cut. And make okay, the cut. no, I know I need to get rid of it, so I'm not opposed to using Roundup. Okay. Is there a special kind, or is it just Roundup? No, I just just overall general Roundup. So you're talking about this is, you know, it's a, a shrub, but it's pokeweed. Isn't that what it really is? Yeah, I think so, and it has these... Um, purple flowers? Purple berries on it. Yeah, purple yeah. berries, right. Yeah, I, I thought it was elderberry, and then I found out it, it wasn't. Yeah, elderberry is actually a tree. And so, uh, okay. yeah, this is, you know, so as soon as you cut it, just go ahead and on the open wound, just, uh, you know, put some Roundup on that. And that, you know, that has the ability to be sucked down into the plant and kill the root system, too. It may take, a you know, okay. a couple different applications to finally get rid of it entirely. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Yep. Have a good holiday weekend. You do the very same thing. Yeah, the berries are, po- you know, really kind of dangerous slash poisonous, but Poke Salad Annie, that was a song from the 60s, and actually people eat the foliage off that plant, but the berries are not so not so good. Let's see. Where should we head? Let's go over to Kay's yard. Hi, Kay. Good morning. Hi. Hi. I have a boxwood, and... It's fairly young, two, three years old. It's not very big, but I think it either, I think it got frostbite or some of the leaves on it froze and turned to brown. And I don't know whether to cut that off or just let nature take care of it. Uh, Yeah, it did suffer like uh, I was talking about some boxwood earlier. Um, Just go ahead and you can leave it alone. The brownish foliage should, should fall off and then... Just, you know, if you see any twigs or branches or whatever, that no new growth emerges from any kind of buds or anything, then go ahead and prune those off. But don't do any pruning just uh, ahead of time. Just leave everything alone and let it let the and expect all that brown foliage to fall onto the ground. Okay, let Mother Nature take care of it. That's, right. That's what, that's what I was hoping. Now I don't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people rush out and, you know, try to take care of it immediately, and that's fine to do that, but uh, it's, it's not necessary to do necessarily. Perfect. Thank you, Mike. You have a good day and a happy Easter. Well, same to you. And now let's head over to Dan's yard. Hi, Dan. 
Hey, how are you? Um, so I have a shaded area that's sort of the centerpiece of the shaded area, the, the magnolia underneath it. I, I have a weed that looks like parsley, but it isn't parsley, and it's just everywhere. It, it is taking over. I, I tried the Battle of the Bugle Weed. I planted a bunch of that last year, and it didn't. It, all, it got crowded out. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how to get rid of this thing unless I have to go scorched earth or something, but it just it, it's a, it looks like parsley. So wondering what your thoughts are. Uh, probably it's a, a cold season annual weed. I don't know specifically which one it is, but if you need to know which one it, you know, it is, you can just pull up a couple of you know stems of it and take it to your favorite garden center. But does it have any kind of flower on it at all? It does not, not at all. Okay, um, it can it, it kind of stays low. I mean, it might get about three, four inches off the ground, but I mean, it is you know it shoots under and just proliferates. Right, <laughs> and it. And I'm, I, I can't I can't seem to battle it. Um, it's a pretty large area, like ten by ten. But so, just if it, you know, like I say, go and have it identified for sure at your favorite okay. garden center, and then just plan on next mid to late August putting down a pre-emergent over this area. And what this is okay. is an annual, cool season annual weed, and they're just prolific right now. They're just. I mean, just going crazy as far as growth and uh, some of them flowering and everything else. And so this is a, you can't really do too much right now. That's going to make much difference at all. And uh, oh, just, really? now, I mean, you could, if you wanted to put some, we'd be gone on it, but it's, you know, the problem is really already going to be established for this upcoming cool season. So in other words, that's why I'm saying put the pre-emergent down mid to late August because that's what it does is kill those seeds of that plant because there's already been seeds dropped, even if it's not uh, obviously in flower. And consequently, so uh, that way you can get the seeds as they germinate in August under control and then start reducing the colony size. Okay. All right. I'll have to go that route then. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. But, yeah, just get it identified to make sure. And uh, let's let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hello, Mary. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I have this four or five year old blue spruce tree, and um, it's really done good growing. It's grown about a foot every year, but at the base of the tree. Uh, the person that mowed my lawn kind of damaged the lower uh, branches, and it doesn't look very nice. And I was wondering if it was possible to to saw off those lower limbs. Yeah, if they're if they're you know discolored and everything else, you can certainly do that to get those you know. And I don't know how big this the branches are, but just make sure that when you cut it, you might cut it uh, halfway. And then cut the, the final cut at the trunk and leave a, about a quarter inch stub. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't quite understand that last that you said. What you want to do is so the if you just cut the branch right at the trunk, it may tear the bark, and you don't want that to happen. I see. So cut the branch in half first. First cut. So in other words, the end of it. And then halfway back to the trunk, cut that, and then that will just fall. And then the final cut is going to be at the trunk, and you want to leave about a quarter-inch stub for the final cut. Okay, I get it. 
Thank you so much, Mike. Have a happy Easter. You do the very same thing. And let's see, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you got any questions, concerns, or comments, give us a call. we got phone lines open. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. It is Easter weekend, and do you have any Easter lilies? Well, I will tell you, they're great. Those white flowers are fantastic, and they are a hardy variety. So once they finish flowering, they can be planted in the outdoors in a sunny location. That's after the flowering's finished, or you can actually plant them while they're still in flower. There's nothing wrong with that. As soon as they finish flowering, just cut the you know flowers off, but leave the foliage because the foliage is how the plant gets well-established and will come back next year as well. Maybe not quite like it is this year, simply because it's been grown in a greenhouse and your outside is not quite a greenhouse-like, but it'll still flower. They just won't be quite as big. So Easter lilies, again, are hardy. So you don't have to just discard them or throw them in your compost pile or anything else unless you want to. But you can plant them in your garden. Let's head over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Thank you. I have some versipia in my yard. We've had it for 19 years. And they didn't flower this year. They just very few little yellow flowers. And I wonder what happened to them. And the second question, we have a Japanese maple that the deer mauled, and it, I think it's coming back a little bit that uh, the tip of the, the top of it is kind of turning a dark red. Does that look good for it or not? That doesn't sound too bad as far as the Japanese maple. Uh, but as far as uh, your forsythia, why it's, uh, is it, has the environment changed as far as is it in a deeper shade circumstance than it historically has been? Uh, not really. Okay, so probably what it was is just the buds were got you know damaged during that cold snap that did some major damage to a lot of broadleaf evergreens. So I would say don't worry about it. You know, if, if when it comes out, if its foliage looks good and everything else, then you should be fine for next year. Thank you. You're wonderful. We appreciate you. <laughs> I don't know if I'm wonderful, <laughs> but anyway, have a great thanks. day. Bye bye. Yeah. And you can do some pruning for anybody with the forsythia that's yellow flowering right now. As soon as it finishes flowering, and this is for all the spring flowering shrubs, as soon as they finish flowering, that's the time to do some pruning. So if you want to control the shape and everything else, this is, you know, a good time. Some forsythia are still in full flower. Other ones I've seen that are already finished. And a lot of times what that is is exposure. So if they're on the south side, then they're going to be blooming earlier than if some are on the north side or in a part-shaded location. Let's go now to Wince. Hi, Wince. How are you? Hey, Mike. Love your show. Well, thank you. And I have two questions. The first one is uh, I have probably 25 Stark Brothers fruit trees in my backyard. Ooh. And I have a pear tree. I'm, I'm sorry, a plum tree that's getting over way overgrown, and it's probably about 20 feet tall, and it's supposed to be a dwarf. Can I just cut the tops off of that, or uh, what can I do with that? Yeah, so you 
have you ever gotten any fruit production off of it? Oh yeah, I, the first few years were great. Right. So it's probably about five to ten years old now. Yeah. So what happens is it's already finished flowering, I would assume. So this is the time when you want to do the pruning. Okay. And just uh, don't do it. Don't anything that you prune. Don't worry about sap flow or anything else. Don't put any coating or anything on the open moon from the prune. And uh, yeah, that's kind of surprising that uh, I think they must have mislabeled it if it's that tall and it was sold as a dwarf. Right. Probably was. Maybe I, I'm sure I got a discount on it somehow. <laughs> And uh, my second question is, what are your thoughts on short-leaf pine trees compared to white pine trees? I, I read where the white pines probably shouldn't be planted south of the Missouri River. Well, we're not really south of the Missouri River. White pines really do pretty well, to be honest with you. So okay. it's, uh, I mean, you can see some really great massive ones in, I mean, in areas where people are taking care of them in their own landscape, but also in yep. park areas. So they're huh. they're pretty tough and durable. Well, I've had no luck with them in my clayish soil. Okay, so, so three. T- I switched over to the short leaf, which is the only native pine tree to Missouri. Right, and they've so, been doing great, but they're real slow growers. Yeah, so this, uh, I mean, as far as with the white pines, it's kind of like three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about eighty percent as deep. So the top of the root ball has to be. You know, twenty percent above the surrounding ground, and the heavy oh. clay soils, you know, have something to do with that for sure. But uh, there's plenty of them that are growing, and like I said, in parks where the I doubt if there's been too much soil improvement. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Bob's. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. Uh, actually, on the way to St. Louis composting, so uh, I've taken uh, take care of your advertiser there. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, my question is uh, on I, I'm, I did some starts for the very first time on uh, sweet potatoes, and I've got a lot of root, but I did it in water uh, in in jars, and and the root is uh, sprouted and everything like that, and the vines are growing out of the top of the sweet potato. Now, I just do I just bury the whole thing? I'm looking for just ornamental vine. I'm not looking for fruit. Okay. Uh, do I just bury the whole thing, or do I? take the vine and cut that off of the potato and then put that, or do I bury that, or what's your knowledge of that? No, just plant the whole thing. Okay. So, and just don't bury, you know, any of the the vines that are coming out, don't bury any of the vines. So even if the top of the sweet potato is slightly above the surrounding ground, that's okay. Because you're probably going to put, you know, an inch or so of mulch over the top of it for a cosmetic type thing. Right, right. Yeah, this is the first time I'm trying to, you know, and like you say, I just wanted for the vining, uh, you know, for the uh, ornamental uh, aspect of it. Right. And uh, my other, I had one little other question. When I when I plant uh, my pepper, which is farther on down the road, how long before I would uh, try to maybe side dress it with some fertilizer? Or do I put fertilizer down right when I'm planting? No, I don't put fertilizer right at the point of planting. You, The first fertilizing about the... Uh, Two to three weeks after you and you know after you plant, and then we you know once a month all the way through the growing season. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX.
This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. A couple quick notes uh, with your roses. Once you start to see the new growth of, for this year, get about two inches long, then that's a time to start feeding your rose and feed it with rose food. Another thing, too, if you've had a history of mole problems, expect them to really start being a lot more active than they have been because the ground is getting warm, and what warm ground means is the earthworms start moving, and that's what causes the moles to tunnel where they go. So they listen for earthworms, and that's their main diet or their main food. So let's head over to Josie's yard. Hi, Josie. Josie, are you there? Joyce, you, you mean? I'm sorry. What was your name? Joyce, J-O-S-E. Yes. Good morning. How you doing? Good. I want to ask you about these boxwoods. They all turning brown. Can I cut that off or what? Well, you can, but I would just wait for another couple of weeks any of the brown stuff, all those, you know, those leaves are going to fall. And so consequently, just understand that that's, you know, going to be the case. But sometimes if we prune too much, cut them back because we're trying to get rid of all the brown, we cut them back to the point where there's no viable leaf buds anymore. And then you end up with a really kind of skeletized looking, you know, shrub with just sort of dead looking twigs. Yeah, because one of them got where uh, the wood is showing and I just leave them alone and look like they come trying to come back. I, I'll leave them on next year. They don't have to be cut. They need to be cut trimmed, but I'll trim around the sides or something leave the brown alone. Right. Just kind of let them go and see what happens. Okay. Uh, and uh, those units, uh, those plants I called you about last time, they're really coming back. I'm glad I followed your information and not <laughs> Uh, greenhouse because they told me it was no good. <laughs> still got one more that ain't really uh, that's like 10 feet tall. It, it ain't coming back good but I'm going to wait to June and see what they do before I kill it. I mean, take it up. Great. Well, uh, good luck. You, you have a nice Easter, you and your wife and yeah. family. You too. Thank you. And now let's head over to Susie's. Hi, Susie. Hi. Uh, we have a blue spruce that's about three years old, and it's losing its needles so badly on the whole tree, and the bottom branches look like they're dying. What would be causing that? Probably bad planting would be my guess. Oh. So in other words, it was planted too low and or planted right at grade, and it sunk a little bit, and there's too much moisture hanging around the trunk slash root system, so it drowned. If it's oh. you know If it's three years old and turning... If it's losing in just interior needles, that could be a natural circumstance. But if it's losing needles all the way to the end of branches, then that's not a good sign. Yeah, it looks like the whole tree is losing needles, and it has a few of those, um, like, cones on it. You know, like pine cones, except it's a, a spruce tree. Sure. It has a few of those on it. Well, that's, I mean, that's fine. But uh, if the needles are all turning brown, then that's, you know, that means it's really headed downhill. So it was planted too deep? That would be my guess. Without, you know, I always tell people, 
you know, even if you're not doing the installation yourself, make sure the contractor that's doing it three times the diameter of the root ball, but only 80 percent is deep. So, in other words, there should be a round ball. And that's where the, you know, the trunk's coming up and the root system are meeting. And then that gets, you know, an inch or two inches of mulch put over the top of it. But it should be planted high, and especially something like that, which really doesn't like our soils, our circumstances, our weather. And uh, if it's not planted correctly, then it's going to have some real trouble. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, so we'll have to have it replaced, I guess. More than likely, yeah, I would think so. But uh, you could wait and see if it's going to recover, but uh, it doesn't sound good. Okay. Do you think we're having too much rain and it's too wet? Well, it's not, too, you know, we haven't had an exceptional amount of rain necessarily. Oh. It's, it's, it has seemed like it was, but uh, there's plenty of plant materials that were planted properly that have not had an adverse effect due to the weather. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, then. Well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Uh-huh. Happy Easter. Same to you. Uh-huh, and thank now let's you. Ha- head oh, over bye. to Kelly's. Kelly, can you do it kind of quick? Hello? Hi. Hi there. Good morning. I made a compost bin a couple of years ago out of pallets. So it's open where the, pa- <laughs> excuse me, where the pallets, you know, have the slats. Right. And I just... I don't know. I, I've seen other compost bins where they're completely enclosed and everything is really cooking along. But my items that I put in there seem just to be dry. I, should I close those the pallet, the slats up? Well, you can do that. You know, I mean, you could even use landscape fabric to, you know, but obviously you're not getting a good blend of things if you're not, you know, as far as to make a compost, you can't just throw a bunch of branches in there and expect them to become compost. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, we do the eggs, the shells, and the coffee grounds, and the grass, and the leaves, and the this and the that. It's just they're just not melding satisfactorily. Right. So you okay, can, so you, yeah. It, it needs I, to be you know a, a situation where, I mean, you could even have it on the you know get some bricks or rocks or something like that and have that as the base or just leave it you know, with the pallets. But, uh, yeah, just the, the slats are probably having the openness of the slats are probably having somewhat of an adverse impact. And when I say pallets, I mean the walls. The walls, I actually, it's just sitting on the ground. Okay. So you should pr- probably elevate it a little bit, but uh, just leave it like it is. Just so you you understand that you have to turn this stuff over on a yeah. routine basis. You can't just leave yeah. it piled up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And we've got uh, – probably can't get another call in. So, Scott and Mary, we're going to have to talk to you after the news at the top of the hour. Other things that you need to be thinking about, too. Again, I'm going to remind that uh, – your spring flowering bulbs, when they finish flowering and the flowers turn brown, cut those off, but leave the foliage until it's at least half brown. And you can do another fertilizing after you cut the flowers off, too. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the... This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. News. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, which means the tip of the trowel. Special on-air recognition for an individual group or situation that's made an impression on me this this past week. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. But right now, if you've got any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, whether they're plants inside or out, you can give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, and we can talk about it. And thanks for inviting me onto your show, where discussions range from making a point about uh, this plant is very good for this particular location, but if it's not underneath large trees with big root systems, then uh, that's probably not so good for it. We can talk about what should be done during this peak seasons, the humdrum stuff, the annuals, spring, summer bulbs, herbs. Speaking of herbs, I've been out trying to find some lavender and I can't find lavender any place. So I've tried several different garden centers, and uh, nobody seems to have the lavender yet. So I just uh, I like lavender and rosemary; those are two of my favorites, just as far as fragrance goes. And uh, can't find the lavender. But anyway, evergreens, herbaceous ground covers, perennials, cascading or upright house plants, and our cool or warm season lawns, the classic roses or shrubs. And uh, what's about screening that view that you just really don't want to have? Anyway, how about your water gardens? How about there's been a couple people that have already had their fountains out or fountains running. So it's nice when you walk by and you can hear that. That is great. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take for success, but strictly offered for you to consider. And by the way, a very important player of the show is Drew. Drew is producing today. He'll answer the phone when you call. Just give him your first name, and he'll put it up on the screen. And uh, by the way, also, I am Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, 
And besides this Saturday morning get-together that we have, I can come to your plant world for an on-site consultation, a walk and talk. You can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Today's tip of the trial is, again, brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to the St. Louis Parks Department. There are so many parks in this city, I can't believe it. Now, I don't, you know, all throughout the entire city, as I said, you know, earlier today, I was at Clifton Heights Park, and it's a relatively small park, but it's still fantastic, you know, just Yes, there are some trees that have had some damage to them for whatever reason, either age or things like that. Then, you know, the city, the Parks Department take those out. They do the cutting of the grass and everything else. They take care of basically everything. Now, there are volunteers which help them, but the Parks Department has to coordinate all this. As I sit here in the studio, there's three different park plots that are within our view, and I mean – it's just amazing how much work there is for the you know city parks department to do. So tip of the trial goes out to the St. Louis Parks Department. Thank you very much for making our park system, which is very extensive size-wise and everything else. When you consider the huge parks like Forest Park, <laughs> pretty darn big. To some of them, they're just little pocket parks, but still, it's very nice, and I greatly appreciate it. So let's go ahead and take a couple calls before we go to break. And let's, where should we start? Let's go to Mary's yard first. Hi, Mary. Uh, hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I am so glad that I have discovered your show. Uh, I've got monkey grass, and I don't really know how to take care of it. Right now it doesn't look good. There's some other vines growing in it also. Now, do you want to get rid of the vines or you don't care? Well, I don't really like the vines going through the monkey grass. And and it's brown out. Does it get all, should it be mowed down and start fresh? Or um, how, what do you do at yeah. the end of the season or the beginning of the season? Yeah, the liriope will turn brown regardless of how severe the winter is. So you can mow it, set your mower high, don't cut it down too too short because there could already start to be some new growth occurring. If you cut it down too short, you might damage the, the tips on the new growth that's emerging. But, you know, set your mower high and just mow right over the top of it. Now, as far as, the you know, the weeds or the vines that are growing in it, they're going to be a completely different type of plant. The liriope or monkey grass has a narrow blade. That means it's kind of re- related to grass, narrow-bladed plant material. And the vines have a, a, a wider leaf, and then consequently what you can do is you can use uh, Roundup. No, don't use Roundup. Don't do that because you'll kill both of them. But it, you can use a Weed Be Gone, and that will kill just the vines and not damage the liriope. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure. And uh, if you're going to do the mowing of the liriope and wait until... After, you know, you start to see the new growth begin on Little Riopi before you spray the, you know, the the vines that you're trying to get rid of. Okay. Okay. Happy Easter. Same to you. And now let's go over to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Morning, Mike. Morning. I have a, a about an acre 
of common ground behind our home, and it was seeded last year, and it came up nice. But this year it is uh, being overtaken by clover. Is there an, an efficient way to take care of that much clover? <laughs> On that huge of a scale, that would be pretty tough to do, you know, to be honest with you. So, okay. I mean, I would just live with a clover. I mean, people don't like necessarily clover, but it is, you know, it does help, you know, help the soil because it pulls nitrogen out of the air and uh, it can be invasive. And so that's just surprising that uh, the clover wasn't there prior to this. Yeah, not that I noticed. I mean, we moved in a year and a half ago. Okay. it, It may have been, but now it's because the clover is so much in the common ground, it's getting into my yard right like patches all over so yeah that's a you know it's a kind of an unfortunate thing now you can try using a broadleaf weed killer on it if in your lawn areas and just realize that clover is pretty difficult to kill so that's why i'm saying that you really got to understand that it's not going to be instantaneous so you're going to have to stay on top of it at least to keep it out of your own yard for a couple years before you get it down and then it's going to keep, you know, migrating in from the common ground. And you can't go out there and kill, the, you know, the, an acre of common ground clover. You'd spend a fortune right. on that. Sure. Uh, have you ever heard of people using that stuff that goes in your sprayer that helps the killer stick to the plant? Yeah, I mean, you can do that, sure. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate your information. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, the gentleman that called about the clover circumstance and the common ground and now invasive in his own yard. If if you choose, and this is for anybody, if you choose not to use, uh, let's say, a standard type herbicide like a we-be-gone type situation, uh, there is an organic way to go about killing some of these uh, weedy broadleaf weeds, and that's using a horticultural vinegar. So that's an organic type thing, and it's generally the organic stuff. It definitely works, but it's just not quite as impactful as quick as, uh, let's say, the inorganic weed killers and things like that. So it's just a personal choice, but if you want, the horticultural vinegar will kill clover it will kill crabgrass it will kill you know some of the wild onions and things along that line but it may take multiple applications to get rid of it so we do have phone lines open 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 let's see where should we go first let's go to bob's yard hi bob hi mike hi talking about boxwood and I didn't catch all of it. Did you say get rid of them or keep them? Oh, no, you can keep them. Just realize that the, you know, the brownness on the, you know, of the foliage was just related to the weather. And if they've been healthy up to this point and you've, you've got brown on them, just leave them alone. Let all those brown leaves fall off and then uh, do the pruning to, as a result of, you know, as a result of that. And just leave the green there then. Yes. It does have some green on it. Right. So just watch out. Don't cut them back too far because they're may, the stems, as they get closer and closer to the center, 
may not have any viable leaf foliage buds on them anymore. And so you might just end up with a bunch of ugly-looking sticks. Okay. All right. And in other words, we'll keep an eye on them see if they grow. Right. Exactly. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Let's head over to Donna's now. Hi, Donna. Last week, but you had to hang up on me real quick. My problem, again, is I told you I had in my front landscape, I had rocks, and in those rocks I was getting those violets. When I noticed under the rock, the landscaper company put mud, and then um, first they put fabric, then they put mud, then they put the rock on top, and that's why I'm invaded with these violets. Right. I'm planning to remove all of the rock and the mud and that fabric and placing in uh, new fabric, and um, I was wanting to know, uh, I'm thinking of, um, should I use a tree and shrub soil before I plant, uh, I bought that uh, little crepe myrtle and a little rhododendron. Uh, Is that okay? Well, I know it would be okay, but is there, can I just use compost? Would that suffice or... Uh, the tree and shrub soil says it has more phosphorus and iron to give these shrubs a good start, and that's what I want because this is a uh, the front of the house where it gets the sun and uh, a lot of wind. So just want to check with you to see what you thought about that. Yeah, I would probably just blend uh, you know in with the existing soil uh, a compost topsoil mix and use that as opposed to the, you know this formulated type stuff. Okay. Uh, does compost in a bag, once it's open, I've had a bag in my garage for a year, and uh, does it lose its potency or is it still uh, active? No, it's still fine. Still you know, good? Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Other question I have is uh, I have a tree in the yard uh, where uh, there I have a prolific growth of the violets. And I wanted to know, is there any kind of ground cover that would overtake the violets, or will the violets overtake the ground cover? <laughs> well, you got to get rid of the violets first, because if you plant the ground cover in with the violets, then they'll just have a, more or less a symbiotic, or symbiotic relationship. So, uh, like I said, if you want to use a broadleaf weed killer, you can do that. If you want to use a horticultural oil, you can use that, or horticultural vinegar, not oil. Oil is uh-huh. for uh, killing insects. But the vinegar will kill the violets. So, you know, get rid of as many of those as you possibly can before you put any kind of ground cover in there. I do have a question, though, regarding that vinegar. Um, uh, my neighbor uh, sprayed some vinegar along the fence line, and I noticed it did kill the grass. It killed the weeds, and there's nothing growing back in those places. Um, does that vinegar kill the microbes? in the soil, or can you replenish the microbes by adding compost to that spot? You can do that, but also, if they just use regular vinegar and not horticultural vinegar, that's probably what the problem was. Uh-huh. Well, is there any way to regenerate those microbes in that area? Uh, just with adding, you know, compost to the actual soil. You're going to have to rebuild the soil. Okay. All right. That's what I was wanting to find out. Okay, sir. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, and happy Easter to you. Well, same thank to you. you. And let's see. Let's go over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hey, Mike. How are you? Very good. Uh, got a question about a couple of uh, 
We have a couple of Japanese maple trees, um, smallish ones, that are uh, right close to a property line. And uh, one of them seems to be uh, pretty dead this uh, spring. The other one has about uh, uh, half its growth is, uh, seems to be dead, closer to the property line. Uh, I'm wondering if the uh, uh, stand of bamboo that was planted on the other side of the property line and has uh, roots have infiltrated uh, very densely on our side could be the cause of that. The bamboo roots could definitely do some strangulation on the root system of the you know, uh, Japanese maples. There's no getting around that. Especially if you've got the you know some of the shoots coming up into your yard, that means oh, it's very yes. yeah. So I mean it can it doesn't necessarily lift it entirely up out of the ground, but that's what's basically happened. And it's much more aggressive than the Japanese maple, so it's taking all the nutrients and all the moisture and everything away. Okay, we're afraid that might be the case, right? And is uh. uh that likely to go on to affect uh, uh, other plantings in that area? Yeah, anything that's, uh, you know, wherever they're in, it's, you know, bamboo just has a very aggressive, invasive root system, and it could, just wherever it moves to, it can have a, you know, bad impact on other plant material completely. Uh, uh, anything that can anything that can be done about that. <laughs> Not too much, <laughs> to uh, be honest with you. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you've ever been out there trying to dig up some of the root systems, the root systems oh, are not really that deep, but they're very, very, they have a lot of root hairs and things like that, and it's hard to get them up out of the ground. Yeah, we've been fighting that for several years. Right. And, and actually, the, on the other side... Uh, they took it out and paved over that area for parking, but, uh, but we've still got the problem on our side. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you, Mike. Yep. Uh, enjoy your show. Well, thank you. Bye. And now let's have our head over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hello. Um, I had a question for you about, well, two questions. I heard you say earlier that you were getting going to put your stuff out, your potted plants outside. Right. And I had moved my herbs into the house in front of the front window. Um, the thyme, French thyme, is kind of very brittle. So I was wondering is should I trim that all back and or just leave it as I put it outside today? Yeah, I just leave it alone and see what happens. Okay. It, it, it just it wasn't brittle when you brought it in, ago, but this time, yeah, being in it, it got brittle. Right. Uh, my other question was about um, I'm getting ready to put thinking about putting raspberries in my backyard. Okay. And possibly blackberries as well. And I'd read articles over the years that they're in the same family. So if you're going to put them both in, you need to spread them up, apart so that they don't cross pollinate. Right. And I was wondering, when is the better time to put that in? Should I wait till fall? Like, you know, normally you talk about fall is a better time 
for plants to get established, or is it still possible to, in spring? Yeah, well, in spring, the availability of you know bare root, you know raspberries or blackberries or whatever, springtime is the only time they're going to be available. Now, later on in the season, there may be some that are container grown. That's just hard to say if you're going to be able to find them because it's usually just considered spring is a time to do the planting for that stuff. Okay, okay. Um, so if I was to get them now because it's the time that they're available, right? well, if I put them in a pot and prepared the soil and then put them in, which would be better in your mind for me to actually put them into the ground? Well, if you have the area that you're going to you know, grow them in already prepared, then you should be fine. But if you haven't prepared that space yet, go. you could certainly buy them, put them in like a larger pots and grow them in pots, get the ground prepared, and maybe even leave them the entire season all the way up until fall in these pots, and then plant them in, you know, in the ground when it's warm. That will help them get established for wintertime. Perfect. Okay. Well, then I, I will do go with plan B and let you know. All right. <laughs> I uh, thank you for your time. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline. Phone lines open 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, let's head back to the phones and let's go over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good. All right. Uh, so I got a couple of questions or comments. Uh, I got a crepe myrtle that when I bought from the big box store, it apparently had two different flavors. I'm thinking, and, yeah, <laughs> no, right. So as it grew, I'm debating on chopping the pink, the lighter pink off. But do I just unroot both of them and peel it apart, or do I just stab it with my shovel and split it that way? Well, you can do that, or you can just cut that stem off of the one that you don't want. And get some Roundup for killing woody plants. And as soon as you make the cut, just paint Roundup right onto that woody, you know, on that woody stub. Well, I'm going to try to save the other one. That's why I was just wondering root system-wise. If I yeah, I mean, they should have separate root They're systems, both. so they shouldn't be, right. inter, you know, interactive as far as, you know, the impact of a, a you know, a Roundup type thing. Sure. Um, and then the comment, I heard you say something about working on B-52s a while back. And... Uh, just curious what model and what time frame. Well, I, I didn't work on B-52s. What I did is B-52s, when they were flying over Vietnam and dropping bombs, they took yeah. pictures. And then I was aerial photography as far as, like, I'd analyze the pictures to make sure they hit the targets and that sort of thing. Okay. So I, I just heard the comment and just kind of connected because I was a B-52 crew chief. So. Oh, right. really? So, wow. Like, yeah. Yeah, up in Griffiths and a few models, but that's probably moot point. Uh, I also have a Bermuda grass, which right now it's dormant, but the other stuff is coming up to include clover. And uh, do I get the weed stop spray and just spray the weed and hopefully the Bermuda, when it comes alive, it'll crowd it out? (laughs) You could certainly take that approach. Okay. Well, it's it's been better over the years. I've been in the house five years, and it was a mess when I moved in, and it's it's come back to life, but there's still questions. But, well, thank you for your time, and uh, have a great day. Sure, Happy my Easter. pleasure. Yeah, I uh, when I was on the state side, the aerial photography was, you know, satellite photography of industrial sites and things like that. When I was in Guam, that's when the B-52s 
took off from Guam, flew to Vietnam, dropped the bombs, and then when they came back, we analyzed the photography to make sure that they hit the target. So let's go now to uh, let's go to Kenny's yard. Hi, Kenny. Happy Easter, Mike. Hi. Same to you. My my subdivision. We've got a few uh, islands in our cul-de-sacs that are like about forty-three feet long by twenty-three feet wide, and we're thinking of planting some uh, small trees that you know, of course, are surrounded by concrete and get a lot of sun. And uh, I was wanting to know your thoughts on the matter. You can certainly do that. I mean, make sure that, uh, you know, I don't know what type of trees you're talking about. Are you asking me for just some suggestions? Yeah, yeah, some suggestions like a redbud red bud or dogwood. Or- yeah, red. I would not do the dogwoods, but the redbud should be fine. There's uh, even some of the varieties of uh, maples like Amur, A-M-U-R, maple. It's going to, you know, give you good fall color, but it's just going to be green. So uh, that's probably, you know, maybe the two. Uh, you might even be, let's see, red yeah, We buds. don't want them to get, get, get too big. Right. Like maple or an oak, you know. Yeah, this is not, the amber maple will stay relatively small, so you don't have to worry too much about that. Also, uh, crab apples. Just make sure that the variety of crab apple that you're getting, some of them are going to get 20 feet plus. Some of them are going to stay between like 15 and 20 feet so uh, some of the varieties of crab apple would be another option. All right, great. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Uh, hey, Mike. Um, question uh, about raised beds. I've got a few, and they're probably five or six years old. Getting ready to put in my broccoli and, and stuff today. Um, do you turn them over before you do? Yeah, on a yes, on a yearly basis, definitely do that. Definitely turn. Do you add compost every year? You can add some. There's you know, or you can get the you know the raised bed mix from St. Louis Composting, which is going to have a blend of various things. Just add, yeah, you know, okay. you don't probably have to add a whole lot, maybe an inch or two, it just to the existing soil, because I'm assuming that you improve the soil before you, you know, with the raised bed circumstance. Correct. Correct and. Like, so there's a bunch of weeds this year that seem to come a little purple flower, maybe about four, three, four inches off the ground. Right. It's called henbit. Hendid? Okay. Henbit. H-E-N-B-I-T. Okay. And it's a cool season annual weed. And basically the best way to get it under control is, you know, in August is to put a pre-emergent down or just to live with it and just... You get to see the purple flowers through, you know, a lot of the time in the winter and early springs. And then when the weather gets hot, it disappears. But during this whole time of producing the flowers, those flowers have produced seeds and the seeds have dropped. And that's why every year it comes back and back and back. Gotcha. If if it's in my raised beds, can I turn it over into that or didn't take it out first? Uh, Well... Turning it over, the seed's still going to stay there, and it's still going to be viable. Yeah. So, I mean, you can live with it. It's not really all that horrible. No. No, it's, it actually has a pleasant look to it. Not yeah, too bad. exactly. Like when I was at the, the park this morning for my good gardening stroll, I mean, the hillsides in uh, Clifton Heights Park, <laughs> they look nice with that purple. Yeah. 
Uh, second question. I plugged zoysia in my yard maybe 10, 12 years ago, and it's probably 60, 70% filled in. But is there, without nuking things, is, will it eventually take everything over? The fescue seems to be hanging on in certain spots. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, depending upon the individual circumstance. And uh, the fescue is a cool season lawn. So during the summertime, it slows down. And then the zoysia takes off during the warm, you know, during the warm season, summertime. So slowly but surely, it may overtake it. But uh, usually, it's gonna—they're just gonna butt heads with each other. Yeah, because then you get the green spots popping up right now. And right, the dormant spots. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And it's just just uh, not ideal, but uh, just was curious. Yeah, there's nothing. You, I mean, it's headbutting is really what's going to happen. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you for your advice, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Now let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Right. Uh, Hi. Two things. When in this area is the best time to put down grub control? And second, fungicide. Last, what type of fungicide do you recommend? Fungicide? Well, I would say just depends upon what kind of fungus problem you have. I mean, there's 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 a lot of different fungus, you know, fungicides that you can use. And as but far the lawn, as it's a pesky, it's a pesky lawn, and that's where I get the fungus. Yeah, because I mean, uh, just go to your favorite garden center and just tell them it's what you have, and let them just you know give a recommendation of the particular product that they have, because all of them okay. are going to have, or every place is not going to have the exact same thing. Though the end result is going to be pretty much the same. And when do I put it down? Uh, It's a little bit early, but uh, you want to do it. uh, This is in your fescue lawn. Yes. Just make sure you don't let it get too long so it doesn't get, you know, bent over in the humidity due to the rain and everything. So keep your lawn cut through the wintertime, even if you have to go out there and the neighbors are going to, look at this guy's out there cutting his grass. But that's, you know, what you got to just watch out to prevent from happening. And then probably put it in, oh, let's say March, April, and then May. Okay. And uh, grub control? Grub control, probably uh, 1st of May or so. Okay. That's all I got. Thank you. All right. And let's see where, yeah, we got a time to get another call in. Let's go to Jerry's yard. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, good morning. I'll make it quick. Um, I have a hen bit that's invading my lawn, uh, probably about a 10 by 10 area, foot area. 
Um, any ideas in terms of a weed control post-emergent that I could apply? Uh, broadleaf weed killer will kill it, but just realize okay. that it has produced seed, and those seeds are, you know, the weed killer will not kill it. It'll kill the actively growing plant. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Another cool season annual weed that's really prolific right now is the annual bluegrass. Looks like grass is like a small clump, and it has a lot of seeds, you know, growing right above it. It's only about a couple inches tall. But uh, if you think you might have annual bluegrass, which is a weed that you control with a pre-emergent in August, uh, just go online, put in annual bluegrass, and it will show you what it looks like. And you can see if your yard has got a lot of it in it. So let's go now to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hello. Hi, go ahead. Okay. Um, we moved into our home th- uh, two years ago, and I was really excited because there were three well-established peony uh, bushes. And But the last two years, uh, th- over half of them do not open, the blooms. They are kind of hollow when I – is there anything I can do? I mean, it's the other ones that do bloom are beautiful, but – a good majority are not opening up. So that does have the flower buds, but they're just not opening. Yeah, they have the the buds and the the flower bud, but they are not opening. Well, probably what it is is they're a little bit stressed and strained because for any plant, flowering is really stressful, and they just don't have the right energy. So what you might do is do some fertilizing and see if that will help. Is there a particular fertilizer for peonies? Not specifically for that. I mean, miracle growing any of those type of fertilizers for general plants is should be adequate. Would it help for me to go ahead and just cut a few back before they even start blooming? That's not going to make sh- any difference. Okay. All right. Well, I definitely will try that. Happy Easter, Mike. Thank well, you. Thank you, and good luck with the peony flowering. Uh, let's see. Why don't we go to let's go to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Yes, Mike. I'm holding in my hands one of your revised editions, 2004 edition <laughs> that I got from you uh, at St. Peter's, Missouri, years ago. Wow. Do you have Do you have a revised revised edition of that? No, I don't. I I haven't written any books for a couple of years now. Okay, you're busy doing horticultural work. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, yeah, you know, the publisher was got a little bit angry with me because of blah 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 whatever, and so I just haven't sort sort of sought out another publisher. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's see what's going on in Alice's yard. Hi, Alice. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I called you, oh, probably two or three times about a white rose bush that I have on the side of the house on the east side, the west side, I mean. And the thing has grown to eight, nine feet tall, and it'll have 20-some buds and flowers on it. And I went out this year and looked at it, and all, and I cut it back in the fall, but not severe. And I went out and looked at it, and it's the canes are all black and brown. And right at the ground level, I have two nice little red spots coming up with little shoots on them. 
And I'm wondering if I should cut that way back and see what happens or if the thing is dead. I would say just leave it alone because the roses are not really pushing out any kind of new growth. So the the way the canes are looking, uh, I wouldn't you know worry about it. But what you can do is just if by early June they're not pushing out any kind of foliage or any kind of growth at all, then you can cut them back at that time. Okay. Because my my ones in the back, my pink ones have got new shoots all over them. Right. So but this you know this this particular variety is just uh, you know a little bit more trouble. Obviously. Yeah. Well, I don't want to lose it. I love this rose bush, and it's so pretty. But I know all good things must come to an end. <laughs> they do have a limited life. There's no getting around it. I know. But when I think how long the pinkwoods have been going over 17 years, and then this one's only about four or five years, I think, oh, come on, get moving. Yeah. But, but hey, okay, yeah. I'll let it go till June. Yeah. Okay, Mike, thanks so much. Sure. And okay. now let's see what's going on in Diane's yard. Hi, Diane. Yeah, hi, Mike. Uh, I have a question. Uh, this time of the year, we always I always like to start seeds in the house, in the little egg cartons, and um, then I get them all growing. And then when I transplant them into another container before I put them outside, they don't make it. What, what am I doing wrong or what do I need to do? Yeah. Just leave them alone. You know, if you want to get the seeds started, personally, what I would do is just uh, not bother with the seeds, but that's just my own personal thing. And uh, don't try to transplant them when they're really young. Just wait, let them grow in the original, you know, whatever you're growing them in until you move them outside. Oh, all right. Okay. I will try that. Thank you so much. And I I enjoy listening to your show, and I'm all the way up in Kansas City. Whoa. Okay? <laughs> I, I used to live in St. Charles, but then I moved, and I still listen to you every Saturday morning, what I can, from Kansas City, okay? Wow. Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. And, Barb, could you do it kind of quick? Uh, yes. I am using grow bags, big ones this year, so that I can grow tomatoes in a different place. What kind of soil should I put in there? Just a general a potting mix, not a potting soil. No no regular dirt? No. Just potting mix. Right. Okay. Uh, what's your opinion of them? Are they any good? Uh, they're okay. I mean, there's no, but, I mean, you're going to have to do the routine fertilizing and everything else. Right, right. I understand that. Uh, but I'm going to try to grow them in a different place than I normally grow tomatoes. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And, Laura, we're not going to be able to get you in today. But, uh, well, let's try. Let's, Laura, let's see if you can okay. do it quick. My qu- yes. My question is I have an area along the uh, that kind of drains down to a lower area where I have a concrete slab. I get uh, moss all the time. The green, I dig it out. It just keeps coming back. Is there anything I can treat it with to get rid of it? No. <laughs> I mean, there is, oh, a, there is a product called DMOS, but it's not really all that effective. So this is just a product of the humidity, of the soil pH, lots of different factors. And if it's, if it's got to start there, then to get rid of it is going to be difficult at best, and you're going to be nothing but frustrated. 
Well, I know I've been messing with it for uh, for a couple of years, right. and I'll dig it out. But as you try to dig it out, the grass comes with it. So sure. then you got two problems. <laughs> right. If I if I duck a little trench, sort of going out into the yard, you know, made it lower to where the water would run off down to that. Would that help? Maybe. No, it's not going to make that much difference. So, in other words, just to divert some of the water, the humidity and everything else is still going to be there. And the, and the moss is already established, and uh, it's going to be there. Okay. Well, I was hoping you had a good answer. But <laughs> I guess well, just, you can. I mean, there. Fight with it. Yeah, there is a product called Demoss. You can try it, but it's not really all that effective. Okay. Well, thank you so much. KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 